Uh, well, before we, we get into that passage, perhaps you've been following the news, and, um, and particularly the news about, uh, the, the, the scary news about a potential Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, that's um, something which, which I find a, a bit worrying, a bit scary. Perhaps you, you feel a bit scared about it too, but, but, but I can almost guarantee that you're less scared and worried about that than the people in Ukraine are as they look over the border and see uh, the, the gathered um, uh, thousands and thousands of, of Russian troops and, and look down the barrels of their guns um, as they're ready to, to, to cross the border seemingly any moment. But 2,730 years ago in the Middle East, there was an even more terrifying invasion on the horizon of uh, Judah, because Judah and their king Ahaz watched in, in terror as the two kingdoms um, immediately uh, north of their country, Israel, uh, which had been part of the same country before uh, the civil war when, when Israel, also called Ephraim, split from Judah, uh, and um, Aram, uh, where, where Damascus, uh, of road to Damascus fame uh, is. Uh, so there's Aram and Israel. And they joined forces to invade Judah and King Ahaz of Judah and, and, the, and the people of Judah, uh, where Jerusalem is, and the, the temple, the, the, the people of God, they are terrified. Uh, they're shaking in their boots. Uh, verse uh, 2. And so, um, please, your Bible, open it back up, up again, please. So, 692. Chapter 7, verse 2. The house of David was told, Alam, Aram has a, allied itself with Ephraim, which is the other name for Israel. So, the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Uh, now, the, the story of what happens is actually told for us elsewhere in the Bible, uh, in 2 Kings, chapters 15 to 19. You might want to jot that down and um, have a read of it later on today, because uh, it goes into some depth about what, what the, the history of the story is. But, but here, in Isaiah, we're told... What God has to say to a people who are shaking with fear, uh, when, when the, the, their fears, their worst fears in life are about to be realised, what does God have to say to them? And I think in a nutshell, um, they, and we as we read it, are posed uh, three questions, three really important questions. First, will you trust God or the world to save you? Second, God is with us, but are you with him? Third, will you stumble in darkness or will you enjoy the light of the Christ? Those are the three questions I think Aram, uh, uh, Ahaz is being posed, and I think we are too. So let's just um, uh, dive into the first one. So, so um, uh, chapter 7, the, the beginning, 7 verses 1 to 9 is where we'll start. And that's where we're asked this question, I think. Will we trust God or the ways of the world around us to save us from what we fear? So here's King Ahaz, and he's quaking in his boots because um, there's this alliance uh, about to invade. And, um, and he's trying to work out what can he do so that they won't get totally destroyed, so that life won't end for them. 
And in fact, when, um, where God tells uh, Isaiah to go and meet him, uh, Isaiah and Isaiah's uh, son, Shia Jeshub, um, uh, where he tells him to go and meet him probably is where Ahaz is trying to find water sources uh, so that when Jerusalem is besieged and trapped inside the city with no springs, they can have enough water so that everyone won't die in like three days. Um, he's really scared. And so um, Isaiah goes to meet him. Uh, and, um, uh, 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 and, and Ahaz is, is trying to find a strategy to keep himself and his nation alive. But th- this is the message. It's a wonderful message. I have a look again at it, verse 4. Say to him, uh, God says to Isaiah, to say to him, be careful. There's a warning, be careful. Keep calm and don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because of these two smouldering stubs of firewood because of the, the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remaliah, that's the, the king of uh, Israel, Ephraim. Aram, Ephraim and its king, Remaliah's son, have plotted your ruin, saying, let's invade Judah, let's tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and uh, make the son of Tabil king over it, regime change, a friendly, a friendly king uh, for them. Uh, make the, the, the son to be a king over it. Yet yeah, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus. The head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. That They'll never be able to constitute a, a nation again. They'll be so destroyed. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. The head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand firm at all. Brilliant. That's brilliant news, isn't it? They're facing this this army which is about to to invade. And God himself tells them, don't worry. Yes, they are plotting your downfall and to install their own king, Ahaz. But don't be afraid, I'm going to shatter them. Do you notice the the punchline in verse 9? I just read it out at the end. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Perhaps that seems a bit out of keeping with what he's just been saying, there's this promise of deliverance. But the point is, God will look after you if you go to him. Rely on him and he will enable you to keep standing. Try and stand without him and you'll be knocked down. You see, Ahaz did have other options than God, other strategies to try. Uh, He knows that that Israel and Aram united against him, um, uh, teaming up against little Judah um, would win, but he knows there's also, just beyond um, Israel and Aram, a much bigger nation, the Assyrian Empire, uh, who's been threatening Israel and Aram. And he knows that, that, that if he gets in with um, uh, the, the emperor of the, the Assyrian Empire, Tiglath-Pileser, or Tiggy, let's call him Tiggy, that's a bit easier to remember, isn't it? If he gets in with Tiggy, then, then they'll be okay, because they'll, they'll, it's like the, the, the really big bully will sort out those little bullies, and, and, then, and then Judah will be fine. Uh, and so, you know, he, he just needs to think, what can he, he give to, to Tiggy so that, that, that they'll deal with, with, um, with Aram and Israel. 
Maybe you can give them, you know, gold. Maybe you can give them, give them a bit of power in Judah, um, and at least they'll go on, go on living. But God says, if you're with me, you don't need to find another solution. In fact, you can't. I've got you, and Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people, let alone a threat, a threat to you. Will you trust me to save you, or will you go the way of the rest of the world and come up with your own strategies and devices? But as we read this, it's not just an interesting thing from history, which I think it is, it's a very interesting thing from history. But the question comes to us as well. When the chips are down, when, when we're quaking in our boots, are we willing to trust God to save us? Or will we go the same way everyone else in this world does and try and find our own solution? Perhaps you think, well, well if I was in Ahaz's situation, I, I, would just, I would just trust God. I mean, God himself has said he's going to sort it out. He's, he's got a promise direct from God, and, and God's told him what, what, what to do. I don't, don't go and make an alliance with the Assyrian Empire. Maybe you think, okay, well, the answer's easy, if I were in Ahaz's situation. Okay, maybe it is. But we have lots of situations like that. In fact, every day we encounter them. We are constantly posed the question, uh, will we trust God to look after us and keep going his way, or will we try and find our own solutions and abandon his way? In fact, that is just the temptation to sin, to do things our way instead of God's way, to take things into our own hands. So, I, I don't know, when I've got... Um, uh, something at work. I don't know. I don't know what your work is if you, if you work, but 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 imagine you've got a deadline uh, coming up or, or an ultimatum from from your boss. The question is: Okay, will will we abandon the commitments that that we've made uh, to our church or to our family or, or, or whatever? When the chips are down, we're quaking in our boots. What will we trust in to look after us? Our God, who's promised to look after us. And has told us what good things are. Or pleasing my boss or whoever so that they can save me. The, 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 the bigger threat in the world. Or, um, or when, when life just feels overly busy. There are too many pressures crowding in. And, and we just think we won't be able to cope if we would to carry on having some time set aside to, to read the Bible, listen to what God is saying to me, and to pray to him. Um, everything would fall apart if I were to, to, to keep doing that. Well, we, which will we choose? To keep going God's way, listening to what he says, meditating over it, praying, praying through it, and praying for others. Or going our own way, trying to, to take control of the situation and sorting everything out. There are all sorts of situations. Think, imagine a, um, a, a, a young, single, Bible-believing girl gets pregnant. And she can't see how she'd cope with the future. She's terrified. 
Will she listen to the world's way out? Or will she trust God and carry the baby and be a mum? We've got to ask ourselves, when the chips are down, when we're terrified, are we going to trust God and go his way? Or will we go the way of the world around us, devise our own strategies? Now, in order to, to answer that question, uh, we've got to go a little bit deeper. Uh, well, in order to answer the question rightly, to be able to answer the question rightly day by day, we've got to go a bit deeper. I think that's what uh, chapter 7, verses 10, uh, verse 10 to chapter 8, verse 10 um, are about. And they ask us this question. God is with us. Are we with him? And the idea God is with us is, is what that um, Hebrew name, Emmanuel, uh, means. Uh, that, that Andrew pointed us to uh, in the New Testament at the beginning of, of church, but, but also that, that we heard um, in this section of, of today's passage uh, three times. Um, the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. And then chapter 8, uh, verse 8, did you notice um, in this, this kind of warning about Assyria coming, sweeping into Judah, swirling over it, its outspread wings will cover the breadth of your land. Emmanuel, it's addressed to Emmanuel. And then um, uh, at the end again, verse 10, it closes at the same, the same word at the end. I propose your plan, but it will not stand for Emmanuel. God is with us. So why is the idea of God being with us so important to being able to uh, trust him rather than going at the way of the world? Um, uh, why is it so important here for Ahaz? Well, remember the situation Isaiah just told him uh, that God will save them from the um, Arameans and Israelites attacking them. But if they don't stand firm in their faith, if they don't trust God's promise, uh, then they won't stand at all. Uh, they'll, they'll fall down. Um, and Ahaz isn't sure if he can trust God. Uh, he's still um, planning, making plans with Tiggy. Uh, so God offers him a sign, verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not. I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Now perhaps you think, oh, hold on, that sounds uh, good. The, the Bible says don't put the Lord, to your, uh, the Lord your God to the test. That's what Jesus says to the devil when he's uh, telling him to jump off a tall building and, um, and see if God will catch him. But what Ahaz is really doing here is using the Bible as an excuse to ignore what God is really saying. He is um, uh, using one bit of the Bible to reject another bit of the Bible. He's re ignoring what God says, ask me for a sign, and um, quoting God back to him, back to God. Uh, he's using as, uh, uh, God's words as an excuse to say to God, don't keep on at me about this. I've got my own way of solving this problem. I don't want evidence or logic to make me go the other way. Uh, by the way, this, this passage isn't saying uh, we should ask God uh, for a sign when uh, we're tempted to sin. Um, that, that's not what, what this passage is teaching us. Actually, we, we've been given the same sign that God gives Ahaz, uh, but we'll get to that. 
for now, we've got to notice that, that Ahaz is refusing to engage with God, won't do what God, God tells him to, to, to help him trust God. And so Isaiah's response is, is furious. Isaiah said, hear now, uh, you house of uh, David, uh, the, the line of kings in, um, in, uh, since uh, David, Ahaz's great-great-great-grandfather, it's, it's not, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? And so, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. This doesn't sound quite the sign that, that Ahaz would have wanted. Um, and perhaps the sign might have been different in, in an if-only world. We wouldn't ever know. Uh, but he'll give you this sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. He'll be eating curds and honey when he, come, when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread, Aram, Israel, about to invade, will be laid waste. What a brilliant sign. Uh, perhaps Ahaz is thinking, there'll be a boy born, God with us, and, uh, when, and before he grows up, Aram and Israel will be destroyed. But then verse 17, it continues, the Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since the civil war, Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. Uh-oh. Turns out this... Um, Alliance with Tiggy, the Assyrians coming and sorting out Israel and Aram, wasn't such a hot idea. That they're going to carry on through there, right on into Judah. But that isn't an accident, according to God. Verse 20, in that day the Lord will use a razor hired from beyond the Euphrates River, that is, the king of Assyria, to shave your head and private parts and to cut off your beard also. You'll be humiliated and left without honour. And God is the one using Assyria. It's not a, a clever political strategy using this greater strength to, to sort out the, the... No, God is going to use Assyria as a pawn in his plan. It's the fact that God is there with Judah that could be their salvation or their downfall. And so, as they reject God, Assyria will sweep in and um, make the land empty. That, that, by the way, is why they'll be eating curds and honey. It sounds great, doesn't it, until you realise the whole point is there's no one around. The land is empty. That's why they can keep all these cows and goats. Um, and, um, and there's so much space. There's no one else to eat the food. Um, there's, um, there's, there's no one around. That's why everything's going to turn to briars and thorns, because there's no one to, to keep the, 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 the vineyards as vineyards. There's no one to keep the farms going. And they'll all um, run, run to seed. It's not good news. And then in chapter 8, uh, this child who will be born is given a different name. Uh, kids, if you're doing your booklets, then um, uh, it's the first name that's relevant for you. But he's also given a second name. Um, uh, in, in chapter 8. Much less memorable name, Maher Shalel Hashbaz. Uh, it's not the kind of name you want if uh, your teacher is going through the register, is it? Um, Tom, Harry, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. It's, it's hard work. And, and also, what it means isn't great. Uh, it means um, uh, uh, plunder and pillage, effectively. 
God is with us, it could have meant victory. You'll plunder these enemies who are trying to attack you. But instead they rejected him and it means they'll be plundered. But not destroyed. Verse 8, uh, uh, um, uh, the king of Assyria will sweep on into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it, reaching up to the neck. Its outspread wings will cover the breadth of your land, Emmanuel. Do you see, it's, it's nearly the end, but not quite. Uh, and then, uh, surprisingly perhaps, verse 9 and 10, uh, Isaiah changes focus. He turns to Assyria, the other scary nations, and warns them, raise the war cry, ye nations, and be shattered. So come and do this, and you too will be broken. Listen, you distant lands, prepare for battle and be shattered. Prefer, prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, it, it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, it will not stand. For God is with us. Now, um, this is really being told to Ahaz. Although he's, uh, uh, here God is addressing the other nations, it's, it's really for Ahaz's ears. And he's got to decide, okay, God is with us. Am I with him? Are we with him? Are we sticking with him? And again, as we read this, we're asked the same question. God is with us. Are we with him? You see, the child that was born as a sign for Ahaz uh, to um, Isaiah and the prophetess only partially fulfilled this prophecy. Whilst the woman who conceived might well have been a virgin at the time this prophecy was uh, made, she wasn't by the time the baby was inside her. While Isaiah's son was showing them that God was with them, he wasn't actually God with them. Andrew read for us uh, Matthew uh, chapter, one, chapter 1. And the angel says to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Yes, this girl is pregnant and not by you. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There is a young, single, Bible-believing girl who has found herself pregnant. She has to decide what to do. Uh, Will she trust God? God helps. He says, look, God is with us, is what this is all about. God is with us. God has come to us too. When Jesus arrived, it wasn't just for Mary and Joseph. It wasn't just for the people then. It's for us forever. God is with us. That's the message of the gospel. And it leaves us with the question, are we with him? Are we his? Are we choosing him? Are we going against him? I think what that means is clarified um, in um, the final bit of the passage, chapter 8, verse 11 and following. And this is the final question we're asked. Will we stumble in the darkness or enjoy the light of Christ? Uh, The Bible says uh, in lots of different ways and lots of different places that the world around us is is living uh, as if the lights are switched off. 
uh, in total uh, darkness. People just blindly going uh, this way and, and that. They can't see what's safe and what's not, what's good and what's not, what's permanent and what's passing. And so, um, chapter 8, verse 11, this is what the Lord says to me with his uh, strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Don't don't go that way. Do not call conspiracy, everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. They're in darkness. They don't know what to be afraid of. So don't be afraid of those things that they're afraid of. The people of Judah were shaking their boots because the armies. Um, uh, were on their borders. But hearing God's word is like turning on the lights. They can see that that those armies that that seemed so scary in the dark, now with the lights on, they can see that they're shattered. As good as gone. And And now that the lights are on, they can also see that there's something much more scary standing beyond them. Uh, Verse uh, 13, the Lord Almighty is the one you're to regard as holy. He's the one you're to fear. He's the one you're to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He'll be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he'll be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They'll fall and be broken. They'll be snared and... Uh, captured. You see, when, when we open our eyes, everything is, is, is different. When God opens our eyes, as we listen to him, everything is different. The things that were paralyzingly scary before no longer seem to be so much of a threat. For someone who lives by the light of their own eyes, death is so scary that it's an, often impossible to, to face up to its reality. You notice this? The world around us lives in denial about death. One of of the privileges of of my job is that I get to talk to uh, people, both who are responding to the death of um, a loved one, a a spouse or a parent or a child, and also those who are um, facing their own death. And I can tell you the difference between those who face those situations trusting Christ and those who face those situations living their own way is remarkable. Totally different. Often when people um, face the, the, the death of a loved one or their own death without Christ, there's just a brazen denial of the reality of death. You can see it in the, 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 the poems and readings and so on that are chosen in funerals. They're just in the next room, they want to say. They've not really gone. They'll live on in their achievements or they'll live on in our hearts. 